0: You got arguably Mm -hmm. the best player on the planet in LeBron James, Mm -hmm. right? You have AD, who's a top five
1: player in this league, and probably the best big man in this league. They complement each other well. They do all the heavy work, the, the heavy lifting. All these
0: other guys have to do is just do your job. What is their job? Bro, you run the floor. You spot up. You wait for your pass. You knock down shots. And you play defense. defense. That is all you have to do playing with these two guys.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast where tryptophan, triple double, pumpkin pie, pump fake, then buy, honey baked ham, honey baked jam. <laughs> Everything's gravy when Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard are stuffing dudes at the rim while you eat the stuffing out of that turkey. So, happy Thanksgiving week to all of our LLP listeners. There is much to be grateful for as a Lakers fan. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, how did you like my Def Jam poetry segment right there?
3: It was beautiful. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome. We will also intermittently be joined by Alan Riley, since we have separate record sessions, and I'm probably going to be splicing this episode up and piecing it back together. So just giving everybody a heads up. Uh, Tommy, happy Gracias Giving Day. Alan, happy Gracias Giving Day to you as well.
0: Happy Arigatou Gozaimashita, giving to you too, sir.
1: Hi, hi. Tonight's icebreaker question of the night is. If you had to parallel, and I I realize now that I should have given you a heads up on this, but too bad. Uh, If you had to parallel LeBron James and Anthony Davis to Thanksgiving food, what what would you categorize them as, since they go well together?
3: I would say Anthony Davis is for sure mashed potatoes. Mm, Okay. Because he like is satisfying on many levels. And he kind of goes with a lot of different things, different things. You know what I mean? Um, uh, like mashed potatoes. He, (laughs) you know, he, he's kind of like, he, he does it all. I don't know if he's delicious. I can't speak to that. Um, LeBron James, he is probably, he's probably the Turkey. And I say that because some people hate him. Um, but you know what? He's going to be there. He's there every year. It's just part of it. He's gonna, And, and he, you know, on uh, some nights he could be really solid and he's just, he's just a staple, a staple, uh, a dish. Like he's a staple in the NBA.
1: There you go. Alan, what about you? I would say
0: Anthony Davis is... I would say gravy, actually. Like, okay, that's like a my my gut thing is it does go well with literally everything. You put it on your you put on mashed potatoes, you put it on your turkey, you put it on your stuffing. You just drizzle that all over the place. If you put Anthony Davis uh, on any team, you know he he fits right in. So I I would go with Anthony Davis's gravy and uh, LeBron. Okay, so he, he's, like, really versatile, right? Uh, what's, like, a <laughs> versatile dish? Uh, like, stuffing, I guess? Because, say, like, your turkey's kind of dry, you know? Mm, um, lube just, that up. Just eat, eat a little bit of stuffing, you know? And then it just makes it all better. Yeah. Um, and then... Like stuffing comes in so many different varieties. Like people do all kinds of crazy stuff with their stuffing, right? They throw all weird ingredients in there and stuff sure. like that. And like it all works, you know, you have so many different versions. And every night, like LeBron can kind of reinvent himself, just like a, a family recipe can, can reinvent stuffing all over again.
1: Personally speaking, what's do you have a favorite type of Thanksgiving food?
0: I love stuffing. You love I, stuffing. I really, really... Yeah, yeah. I, I do like stuffing. So you love LeBron James? You? I do love LeBron
1: James.
3: My favorite Thanksgiving food is mashed potatoes, for sure. With gravy, of course, right? With that sweet gravy.
1: Is Rajon Rondo the gravy, or...? <laughs> I'm
3: just kidding. <laughs> hey. Um,
1: my favorite Thanksgiving food is, as a Filipino-American person, we typically eat Filipino food alongside traditional turkey and honey-baked ham dishes, so I like eating Filipino food, which is... Uh, Lumpia and pancit its my favorite Filipino food on Thanksgiving Day. But in terms of actual Thanksgiving food, I actually like pumpkin pie. I know some people don't like pumpkin pie, but Uh,
0: I love pumpkin pie, dude. You're so basic, dude.
1: Yeah, we're super basic. (laughs) I like pumpkin pie, especially from Marie Callender's. We are not sponsored by them. Hit us up. Yeah, hit us up for real. Tonight's episode, irrespective of what's going on in terms of actual gameplay, I think the Lakers are currently finishing up their road trip, and by the time you listen to this, the Lakers will probably have faced off against their ghosts of young core past, or are just about to do it. But irrespective of that, tonight's episode won't touch upon any game specifics, but be more of a general evergreen-type episode where we touch upon overarching thoughts and trends of the team thus far through the quarter mark of the Lakers' season. We'll also be playing a fun game of... Eat Crow or Eat Turkey, where we assess how well we've done with regards to preseason predictions of ours uh, and how those predictions have panned out thus far. Uh, but before we get to all of that, as usual, please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and us on iTunes, because the more you rate and us, that's how many more times Lethal Shooter will rise from the grave and remind us all on Twitter that hard work pays off, the grind is real, and the haters just be talking bull when the real work is done in the shadows. Stuff like that. <laughs> but hey, I'm here for all of it if AD, KCP, and coos continue to shoot like how they have been shooting recently. Uh, so for more cringeworthy Lethal Shooter content, please rate and review us on iTunes. And yes... We're trying to get to 400 before 2019 ends. We're almost there. It's Thanksgiving season, Thanksgiving week. Christmas is coming up. Do us a huge favor and rate interview us five stars. Uh, speaking of rating interviews, tonight, Alan will be doing the review reading of The Night. And in pure Thanksgiving fashion, we have a very genuine and sentimental review to read. But with that said, tonight, Frank Vogel is going to do the review reading of The Night. And uh, Alan's not actually going to try and sound like Frank Vogel, but... In essence, Frank Vogel sounds very diplomatic, so Alan's just going to read it in his normal, very nice... Diplomatic voice? (laughs) Yeah, normal NPR (laughs) diplomatic voice with that nice bass. So, Alan, take it away with the review reading of the night.
0: All right, Most Lit Lakers Podcast. This comes from Chief O'Keefe from the U.S. Navy. Uh, Lakers Legacy Podcast is really good. This podcast actually has personality, and it's fun to listen to. All the guys are knowledgeable on Lakers and NBA, But at the same time, they don't keep it all business and stats. They actually have fun while doing this podcast. I actually stumbled on this podcast while being stationed in Japan for six years. There weren't many real Laker fans on my ship, so I didn't have many people to talk about the Lakers to. Plus, the Lakers were a lottery team every year, so most people just talk smack about the Lakers. Anyway, listening to this podcast gave me the same feeling I had when I was in high school talking to my boys back in the day about the Lakers. Great podcast. Keep it up. Keep it lit. Fire emoji.
1: Fire emoji, indeed. Thank you, Chief O'Keefe from the U.S. Navy. Alan, how was it reading that review for the first time? I'm sure you read it before you actually recited it, but I think it's often lost on me just the extent of where this podcast goes. I mean, naturally, it makes sense that anybody can listen to this, so we get different walks of life listening to this, but I guess getting a specific, yeah, just getting the, Actually, you take it away. <laughs> I'm <laughs> lost for words at this review. Yeah, no.
0: When I when I first read it, I, I got chills um, because, like, I automatically get like a visual of a guy who's you know in uh, the military and he's stationed somewhere abroad. You know, for years and years and years. And uh, I mean, none of us can possibly imagine what that is like. And to know that the the silly little thing that we do. <laughs> um is actually making some sort of impact in a positive way and it um is enhancing you know somebody's just general experience is is awesome you yeah. know it, it for sure like you said it's not something that we think about <laughs> it isn't something that we realize and it isn't even a thing that like we've we don't feel like our scope would reach that yeah. far right right um, if anything, it's like, oh, you know, people are maybe a couple people out there in the world are bored when they're driving to work cause they're stuck in traffic. They need to kill some time, whatever it is. They listen to us be like, act like fools and <laughs> it is what it is. So, um, you know, this is completely different from all that. And, uh, it, it does, it does hit in the feels, which is, which is great.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, we had another review like this where, you know, the general sentiment of the review was that. It's easy for the listener to connect with us and they feel like they can just go grab a beer and talk with us but at the same time there's substance behind the actual conversation that goes beyond just the normal you're talking to someone at the bar about the Lakers you know you you know that you can go more in depth with us and so I really appreciate that people have recognized that because I know it's hard when we get all silly and we giggle and laugh like for 80% of a podcast to like sift through that but for those who have and found the golden nuggets of substance. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate all the longtime listeners. And uh, yeah, reviews like this are really awesome because like Alan said, we don't often think about the wide scope and reach that we have. But uh, to get specific reviews like this of people telling us where they're at, how they're listening to it is really, really great for us to hear. So please, if if you're in a unique situation, if you're in a mundane situation, please let us know. Uh, Rate interview us on iTunes. So thanks Chief O'Keefe for that. That was a five-star worthy review, um, for sure. Um, If you're willing to donate to us financially in any small way, please go to patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast. Our Wings on the Trade and Buyout Market episode segment is still up for grabs there. Lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. Check them out for all of your betting tips needs. Tommy, I know you have been waiting for this moment, but I've got another double foul for you. I know that first time we did it, you were on pins and needles and just... uh, Loving every second. So here we go. You ready for double foul? E- uh Foul one. LeBron James goes down for 15 games this season. Foul two. Anthony Davis goes down for 15 games. Which bitter pill are you swallowing there? And uh, in your eyes, who is more essential to the Lakers team being able to stay afloat?
3: For this season and for this current roster that we have... I think I'd rather have Anthony Davis. This is like so crazy to say cuz this guy's like probably going to win defensive player of the year, but I I think I'd rather have Anthony Davis go down for 15 games. We lose so much defensively, but LeBron is on such a different level offensively right now and he can create for himself whereas if he's sitting, it's much much harder for Anthony Davis to try to create for himself. Mm-hmm. Um so I I'd, I'd take Anthony Davis. Uh, but knock on wood, that doesn't happen for either.
1: Yeah, this was so hard to pick just because the Lakers have founded themselves on the defensive end and they've established such a strong defensive identity. I mean, we're number one in the league in defensive rating. Obviously, we've started to creep up on the offensive end, but I I agree with you. If Anthony Davis goes down, we can at least stop the bleeding by putting Dwight Howard in there, who's been just as essential. Maybe not just as essential, but... He's been the second backbone of our defense. If LeBron James is out, we're literally looking at Rajon Rondo as the single ball handler on this team, right? And uh, that just can't happen. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Maybe we get to see a different side of Anthony Davis, like the one in New Orleans. Maybe we become the Pelicans a little bit with Rajon Rondo and Anthony Davis leading the charge in LeBron's absence, but they had Drew Holiday (laughs) alongside those two as well. So... I just don't see us being able to adequately have competent enough offense if LeBron James is out. So I I think I tend to side with you, but it's pretty close. So I will take foul two. Anthony Davis goes down for 15 games. Alan, what about you?
3: I think Anthony Davis.
1: (laughs) That's a really good Allen impression. Um... (laughs) Okay, Alan. here you go. Same question as Tommy. Foul one, LeBron James goes down for 15 games. Or foul two, Anthony Davis goes down for fifteen games.
0: Oh I I would say <laughs> I guess I would rather have LeBron healthy and Anthony Davis go down. Just because with LeBron, yeah, you know, he's older, you know, so missing fifteen games just oh. it, it feels like oh gosh, you know, like that's scary. Um, yeah, yeah. and the the odds of bouncing back after that would just be so stressful is he going to be the same and what are the lingering implications on the one hand I guess he'd get like that extra rest uh for the playoffs but it would just make me more paranoid whereas with Anthony Davis um you know he's in his mid-20s so obviously it depends on the severity of the injury but or what kind of injury it is for that matter but uh yeah that's that's my answer
1: It feels so stupid to say, we'd rather have Anthony Davis go down for 15 games. Uh, That's the point of double foul, though, but I like the angle that you took in terms of one more hit to LeBron James could essentially be it, so that's an interesting angle to uh, consider as well. All right, there you go, double foul, feeling bad on Thanksgiving week, (laughs) but it's not going to happen, not going to happen, crossing fingers. That'll do it for this Thanksgiving edition of Double Foul. We're going to take it to break. When we return, we will do eat crow or eat turkey and then go through some uh, Lakers trends thus far through the quarter portion of the Lakers season.
0: We've got all the news right here. I'm
1: going to stop you right there.
0: I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Cosmic chicken biscuits and chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast.
2: Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: All right, so we're back and we're going to play a little game that I came up with called Eat Crow or Eat Turkey. Tommy, what are some things that you were pretty confident in coming into this season, whether you intimated them to our listeners or to our group privately, or even just to yourself, What are some things that you're confident coming into the season about? Could be something big, could be something small that you've seen come to light that you're pleasantly surprised you've called right up until this point. And in that sense, you'll be eating Turkey. And then what are some things that you were worried or pessimistic about? Or even something that you maybe didn't expect that you're willing to eat crow on. And to be clear, you can be happily, you can happily be eating this crow because it could be something very positive for the team that you just didn't expect or that you doubted. So I'll go first and start with one turkey. One eating of the turkey. (laughs) I can't speak English. I will eat turkey on. Rondo not being a complete zero and a complete negative. Him providing some value, however minuscule. Because, man, the bar was so low to clear (laughs) this offseason with how much of Lakers Nation just absolutely hates this guy's guts and didn't want him to play a single minute. And thus far... At the very least, he has given LeBron James some relief and made Anthony Davis happy and activated Anthony Davis and had some pretty spectacular highlight reel-type passes that sort of gets the team going in general when the offense is stagnant or LeBron James is off the floor. And overall, he's bought in like the rest of the team has. Um, So that is one example of me eating turkey. What about you?
3: One example of me eating turkey, I think, and I'll use this one because I think I... I think we, I mean, I might've said it on this podcast, but I was never as low on Dwight as everybody else's, um, or sorry, not mm-hmm. his, but everybody else was. Um, We had Anthony Davis. We already had JaVale McGee. We had LeBron on this team. This guy took a pay, this guy did like college style workouts, you know, draft pick <laughs> style workouts, took a non-guaranteed deal until January, which like is unheard of for a veteran like that. I mean, Melo's also took a non-guaranteed deal. That fool, look how long he waited out, right? I, I, I had a feeling based on, you know, if Dwight was able to stay healthy, I just had a feeling that the upside was fairly high and the downside was so low that it was just worth it to uh, try this out. And um, it's obviously exceeded my expectations, but um, yep. I'll eat a little bit of turkey on that because I was, you know, from the, from the moment we signed him was not as much in the like, Oh my God! The sky is falling. Camp. What? What is this front office doing? You know, like here we go again. um, Which a lot of people, a lot of people were.
1: Yeah, I think we all took a pretty measured approach in analyzing the context of the situation and accurately assessing how different it was from his previous situations, and also looking at the fact that. We just weren't there at the workouts, right? The Lakers were. They saw both Joe Kim Noah and Dwight Howard, and it seemed like they had a process in place. And we just gave the front office the benefit of the doubt, and it has turned out in spades more than we could have imagined. And slowly but surely, Dwight Howard has looked even more athletic than when we first saw him and become a fan favorite. So look at that. Definitely shove that turkey down your throat. (laughs) (coughs) All right, Alan, here you go. What's one of your uh, turkey dishes?
0: I mean, this one seems obvious, but I, I fully anticipated Anthony Davis and LeBron working extremely well together and complementing each other's games. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it was like a two-piece puzzle. Literally, it's like, hmm, how's this going to work?
1: <laughs> Believe it or not, some people were still detractors, but yes.
0: Yeah, well, the haters are going to hate. Hate us because they ain't us. <laughs>
1: hate us because they ain't us. You're right. Peanut butter jelly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, you know, I knew they would work out. And I guess another one is... I. I figured defensively, we'd be a very, very good team.
1: Nice. Okay, that's one of Alan's turkey dishes, uh, eating turkey. Just the dark meat, though. Just the dark meat. (laughs) Let's do a crow, eating crow segment. So I will eat crow thus far. This doesn't mean that it's going to stay this way, but I'll eat crow on Kuzma primary creating. I really thought they were going to give him more opportunities, and maybe it's just a product of them still working him back into the rotation. But so far we have not seen him handle the ball at all. Um, we haven't seen him that much in pick and roll situations. Um, especially with Rondo back, he kind of still assumes that off ball cutting role, which is essential on this team. So maybe that's just going to be his role and he's going to continue to thrive as an off ball cutter, off ball shooter coming off screens and whatnot. And, uh, Yeah, maybe we just won't see the uh, pick-and-roll Kuz because in pick-and-rolls, Kuzma's a pretty good scorer and playmaker, um, even though he has a mediocre handle. So yeah, I'm going to eat crow a little bit on, you know, seeing Kuzma engage and unlock that primary initiating part of his game. We may just not see it this season. I was hoping that he'd maybe average like three assists. I think he averaged like 2.5 or so last year, but it may just end up sticking at that two assists mark. Any thoughts on that one?
3: Um, only thought on that one is it's, it's very early. And I think there's definitely upside for that to continue to improve. I mean, he, it's like classic story of young guys, right? But he had three awesome games in a row and then he got hurt. So, you know, he's still working himself into it. He will become so much more dynamic as a playmaker once his offensive game gets set, because once he is a huge threat to score, it's going to open up stuff for him off the dribble.
1: Right. All right. Give me one of your crow dinners.
3: Biggest crow dinner for me for sure is Frank Vogel. I I did not think, I I didn't think that he was going to be a disaster, right? But I just was in no way confident that he was going to be the reason we were going to have success. I, I thought we just need to get a, let's get a guy, stays out of everyone's way. And look, to some extent, that's what he's doing, right? But he is making decisions, like, in-game, like, with personnel, with plays, with, like, recognizing trends. Like, he is making strategic decisions in games that are having tangible impacts on the outcome. We're 12-2, ten- not just because we are the most talented team in the league. We're among the most talented teams in the league, Um and we've been relatively fortunate with respect to injuries so far. Knock on wood, but... We got off to this start because largely due to Frank Vogel. And, you know, I was one of the first people who was like, oh, you know, is going to play 30 minutes a game and start because, and Caruso's never going to play. It's going to be all politics. Vogel's the company man. He's a current brand is higher. You know, I was on, <laughs> totally on that bandwagon. And it's just been completely the opposite. When KCP struggled, Vogel was pulling it when, Alex Caruso has been playing good defense the whole year, even when he was playing bad offense in the beginning of the season. Vogel stuck with him. You know, guys like Troy Daniels, Quinn Cook, when their shots weren't falling, they became you know more restricted with minutes. Uh, it, it's just been really nice to watch, and uh, I'll definitely crow on the on Vogel's impact on the team.
1: Nice. All right, Alan, yeah, your turn for eating crow. And to be clear, this does not have to be something that's negative. Like you could be happily eating this just because you did not anticipate it. So it doesn't even have to be something that essentially. Oh, for sure.
0: That was actually the angle I was going to take. I'm very thankful that I'm eating crow. Um, and it's all under one umbrella. It's um, Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah. Um, As of recent days, KCP and uh, even a little bit of Rondo. Um, not that Rondo's all around game has been spectacular, you know, he still has his, his moments defensively, uh, KCP, you know, has moments as well. Um, but for the most part, like these three guys, especially Dwight, as we all know, have exceeded expectations, uh, albeit a little inconsistent from a couple of these dudes, but going in, it was like, oh no, like not Rondo. Uh <laughs> this guy sucks so much. Uh freaking KCP, uh oh, worst player ever, blah blah blah. And then Dwight is like, ah, kick his ass out after like one minute if he if he farts or something. <laughs> um so yeah, I'm not gonna focus so much on Rondo KCP, but with Dwight, it's just as is the case with pretty much all Laker fans, it's all love. Um, it's crazy like how how genuine this guy is and just how at peace he is with uh his life in general it's it's very inspiring and i think it's a good life lesson to see um how a person can really figure themselves out you know yeah. and how that affects all aspects of life and yeah if we were to go back and check out the receipts we're like again if this guy walks in with his shoelaces untied on the first day of training camp like cut his ass uh, pretty pretty ruthless cynical skeptical all that stuff and uh yeah i'm I'm eating a lot of crow. Crow buffet right now. <laughs>
1: crow buffet. Hey man, <laughs> I was I was pretty measured. Tommy was pretty optimistic. You just had a sour taste in your mouth. You were like trying to talk through gritted teeth in that episode when we signed him. But yes, we are so happy that Dwight Howard is now the leader of our bench unit and uh the motivator and gets the crowd hyped. It's it's crazy. Um okay, back to turkey dinner. I'm going to eat turkey on believing in Avery Bradley from the moment we signed him and suggesting that Avery Bradley would be a valuable contributor and really have a bounce back year. Look, his stats are not going to show it, but man, his impact on the court when you watch him from a night to night basis is undeniable. And I remember when we signed him to that mini mid-level contract right after he got bought out, so many people were overreacting, not only to just the signing, but to the fact that we gave him $4.5 million because they didn't think he was even worth that, even though at the time there was, like, literally not anyone else left on the market and anybody else we would have signed would have been deemed an overpay, you know? But from, from the moment we did that, I was like, wait, hold on. Like, he played really well... Granted, it was only 14 games, but he played really well with the Memphis Grizzlies to close out that season. And there was a clear reason why he was struggling with the Clippers, and it was health-related. And we heard about his off-season work, how he shed 20 to 40 pounds, depending on who you believe. And it seems like he understood and was very self-aware of how much he sucked with the Clippers, and was very intent on turning that ship around with the Lakers this year. And he's only 28 years old. I'm just, I guess proud of the fact that I had that perspective early on administered the right context and realized that, Hey, we're looking for perimeter defenders and we have to, you know, bank on the fact and take this risk that he can somehow regain some of his former first team, all defense sort of self, even if it's just 50 to 60% of that, that's still something given the current roster that we had at the time, which was just Rajon Rondo, Quinn cook and Caruso up until that point. Right? So, I'm glad that I was able to be prescient enough to be, or to understand that Avery Bradley could be a very valuable contributor, and thus far that has proven to be the case. Even though he's had that minor setback with the, uh, was it a stress, not a stress reaction, but hairline fracture. Hairline fracture, exactly. Any quick thoughts on Avery Bradley?
3: Uh, no, other than I mean, he got in great shape. You hear the hype every year, right? It's become like a in in at least among, like, uh, people I talk to who are into sports, right? It's like, it, this is not just an NBA-specific thing, but all sports. When a guy had a bad year last year, and then you're coming into the new season, it's, like, so cliche to say, like, he's in the best shape of his life. You know, he lost 50 pounds, you know? It's like, there's always yeah. these weird things, and it's like, yeah, okay, I'll hold my breath until I see the results uh, on the court. And um, Avery Bradley, he was getting a lot of talked up a lot in the off season and I think he's looked fantastic so far. And I think he's going to be a very critical player for us uh, moving forward.
1: Yep. Okay. Give me one of your last Turkey dinners.
3: Uh, One of my Turkey dinners, I I think I mentioned eating crow on Vogel, but I'll take the Turkey dinner on the coaching staff in general. Um, Mm. There was a lot of skepticism about how Lionel Hollins and Jason Kidd would fit in here, especially Jason Kidd. I... people you know, coming out of the woodwork with just these like crazy theories about like, look at all this stuff kid has done and he's such a shyster and like you know two weeks into this he's gonna he's gonna his sole aim and purpose is going to be to sabotage Vogel so he can be the head coach. You know, all this stuff, I'm like, it takes a lot and and this goes back similar to the Dwight stuff. It takes a lot for coaches who have had success in the NBA. To humble themselves and say, you know what? I'll be an assistant and kid. You can say what you want about him. Um, but he humbled himself. He didn't make it a spectacle. There was no like Jason kid parade. Look at him. He's the new assistant coach. He's just like any other coach. Uh, any other assistant coach, just he's there on the bench. He's quiet. You don't hear from him. You know, he's not making a lot of noise. He is humble. He, if, te- if anything in interviews and stuff, he's admitted that like, look, I was kind of thrust into a head coaching role mm-hmm. and I never really had, was forced to learn how to do it, uh, learn how to build a scheme, learn how to build, you know, team values, all this stuff. And, and so I want to learn that stuff now. Um, and by all accounts, he's, he's been that guy and, you know, he, he demands a lot of respect on the bench because a ton of guys that we have played against him. Um, obviously everybody knows him and, um,
1: Played with him it, it, in Team USA.
3: Yeah, played with him in some cases. So he, he's he been great. Lionel Hollins has been great. Phil Handy has been phenomenal. Yeah. Like all, all these guys, like our coaching staff, maybe Handy didn't get the skepticism, but in general, the way we chose to assemble that staff got a lot of skepticism. And, and I was fairly confident from the beginning of like, you know, they have this strategy of we're going to load up our bench. We're going to have all head coaches on our bench. And I said, maybe that's not going to work, but no one has tried this before. We have the resources to do it. So let's do it. And, you know, you see the results almost immediately. I mean, Rondo said it, I think in media day, um, when you're on a team, normally there's like, you know, a coach and like four or five assistants and you only really listen to like the coach and maybe like two assistants or one, you know, and with this co with this coaching staff, though, it's like you kind of listen, you guys are respecting every single person. Because mm-hmm. it's not like Joe Schmo who we're trying to train to be a head coach, right? It's like guys who have been there, who have gained respect, who have won. I mean, Lionel Hollins went to the playoffs, Jason Kidd went to the playoffs. Like, these are guys who have done things, and it it is really rubbed off on the team, and you really get the sense that. You know, I can't help but think that's contributed to everybody buying into the extent that they have this season.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I don't know if you heard about this or read this, but I think after the Oklahoma City Thunder game, Anthony Davis told the media that Jason Kidd went up to him and said, you sucked that game. (laughs) And he was like, I did. You know, so I mean, just that, that command, that command of respect from Kidd is great. I think the biggest issue or the biggest skepticism with regards to this coaching staff was... That there would be too many cooks in the kitchen, that there would be a lot of egos. But so far, it's been very drama-less, and I guess that's what a winning team will do for you. But overall, yeah, good call on um, this weird Expendables coaching staff being put together working out. One last crow dinner for each of us. I'll go first. I'll eat crow um, on—and again, this is early, and we've started to see a shift in this— My overall statement is going to be about Quinn Cook, but tangentially to that, I'm going to eat crow on the three-point shooting and just that being a sort of positive cascading avalanche effect for the Lakers on the nightly. Um, I don't know if it's a schematics thing or if, if it really is just guys not hitting open shots. It's probably a little bit of both. And recently we've started to see a shift in the positive direction. We're seeing that positive regression, but I just thought we were going to be raining threes on the nightly and it would look more like Golden State Warriors motion offense San Antonio Spurs we have Danny Green you know but so far it just hasn't happened and in alignment with that I thought Quinn Cook was going to be so good and I'm going to eat so much crow on this he is not good he's okay <laughs> in spot moments in certain games he's going to you know shift the balance in one way or another um but overall I'm starting to see that he's just not a strong player. I think if he was actually strong and even had Steve Nash's athleticism or build, he'd be a much better player because he has a really nice mid-range jump shot. The thing is, he's so soft and he can't get to his positions. Like, he's super weak and he gets tossed around really easily even when he has the ball as the pick-and-roll handler. And then on top of it, even though we see him sometimes pull off some really nifty, shifty moves off his own dribble... That for the most part, he has a really shaky handle, and shaky in a bad way. And I never really feel too secure with him handling the ball. So yeah, Quinn Cook is probably the biggest thing I'll eat crow on this offseason, especially because I I mentioned in a predictions podcast that he would be the most impactful Lakers guard this season. Womp, womp, womp. I said he was going to average 13 points, and clearly he's going to fall well short. But I still am encouraged, or I'm still confident that, For certain games, he's totally going to swing that game in a positive direction the same way that he did the Chicago Bulls game when we were in Chicago because the dude can get hot. It's just a matter of him actually hitting his shots, his three-point shots, which can have an avalanching, cascading effect on the rest of the team. But so far, that just hasn't happened yet, and we haven't necessarily fired on all cylinders from the perimeter. But again, that is slowly starting to change. Um, So, Alan, what is your second turkey dish? dang I really
0: like the coaching staff one, so I'm gonna use that too because I, I did feel pretty good about that you know there there wasn't any like um concern in terms of Jason Kidd trying to usurp power or anything like that. It's just like this this like grizzled veteran coaching staff, right and in terms of egos getting in the way and things like that, I don't know. I wasn't very concerned about that at all. so um nice. that was probably in the minority in that case, so yeah, that'll be my second dish.
1: Very good. Tommy, what about you for your last crow dinner?
0: Last crow dinner related to
3: your turkey dinner with Rondo. I will eat major crow on Rondo. I was definitely (laughs) in the camp from the very beginning that like, this is horrible. I don't care how much we're paying him. You know, if we, if somebody came out and said publicly like, okay, this guy's going to play like never, and he's just going to essentially be a player coach, I would have been fine with it. But we never really got that assurance and we heard all these things uh, that Vogel and some of the other coaches were saying and the ways that they envisioned using Rondo. And I just thought that that was a really, really, really bad sign. Um, but turns out that they were onto something. And after the first few weeks of the season, it became incredibly clear that he was going to have a role. And I'm saying the first few weeks before he even played it became very clear that he was going to have a role and how exactly he was going to fit on this team. Um, and he has looked, you know, it, it's been maybe up and down in the first few games that he played, but you really see the dynamic that he brings to the team and he just gives us a reliable ball handler. I mean, you were just talking about Quinn Cook and really most of our point guards, um, Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, Alex Caruso. Those are not guys in the fourth quarter of a playoff game coming up the floor against Patrick Beverly that you necessarily want handling the ball. Rajon Rondo is, you know, put anyone on him. You're comfortable with him handling, handling the ball. So he ha- he's going to serve a very important role for us. And um, I'll eat crow on that.
1: Very nice. Alan, what is your last uh, crow dish that you're going to eat here?
0: I uh, really thought Troy Daniels, similar to what you said about Quinn cook being that consistent threat. Now, he's had, like, a knee injury, I guess, that's been bothering him. So, we'll give it a little bit of time. But <clears throat> I think his nickname is, like, Layup because his three-pointers yeah. are, like, layups. And, uh, I mean, he did have the one game where he knocked down three threes uh, in a very short amount of minutes. So, we'll see if he could turn it around. But he was a guy that I was really, really confident in thinking he's our freaking man. And it's funny because if we hearken back to our episode with Pete and he was like, just watch, man. All these guys are going to shoot, like, 32% from three. Yeah, uh, I mean, I haven't checked the percentages, but, um, yeah, we're not ranked particularly high in three-point percentage as a team so far.
1: Yep. Is he named layup? Because who's shooting that layup? Is it KCP before the Dwight Howard Instagram comment? Because... Uh, <laughs> In that sense, layup is a bad, bad moniker. Uh, (laughs) All right, so that'll do it for eating turkey or eating crow. I'm going to cheat and say one more turkey dinner for me, and I'm going to say I'm eating turkey on not overreacting to Kyle Kuzma's rough start and applying the proper context to the fact that the dude wasn't running or jumping at the beginning of October, and we should actually be amazed that he's been able to round back into form as quickly as he did. So that's my turkey dinner of the night. All right, with that said, let's end this show quickly talking about trends and um yeah i guess the question i want to ask is and we can do this in bullet point form and not go back and forth you can kind of just stream of consciousness throw out some trends that you like or dislike So yeah, what are some trends, whether big trends or small trends? The small trends can be something as simple as you like the way that LeBron hangs his head down violently to the right, stares down at the ball intimately, and then jacks up his 35-footers. You can do something as simple or small as that. But yeah, what are some trends overall that you've seen through the quarter mark of the Lakers season that you've either liked or disliked? I'll go first and just rapid-fire throw out some things that I've liked thus far. Tanny boy, KCP playing off ball more, cutting, doing nothing more, not really dribbling the ball and doing the uh, Rucker Park, Smush Parker, Kobe Bryant type stuff. I don't know why I said Smush Parker. Um, But, yeah, I've enjoyed KCP just being that. Literally a 3 and D sort of player and just cutting at the right spots and uh, being more of a off-ball savant than anything else and cutting down the Mamba mentality type stuff. Um, I've enjoyed Rondo's bounce passes in transition, getting the ball out ahead, picking up the pace. Like I've mentioned before, the Lonzo ball version of Rondo where he doesn't pound the rock and makes quick read passes are beautiful and great and really gets the team activated. Cal Kuzma, I've really enjoyed him relaxing and shooting the ball very easily off his fingertips, letting the ball roll off. Um, and you've seen how that's made such a difference and how relaxed he's been shooting the ball recently. So that's been money. And then lastly, another trend that I've liked is the is Anthony Davis and LeBron James continuing to pro- to progress in their pick-and-roll chemistry. What are some trends that you've liked thus far, Tommy?
3: Uh, Some things I've liked from the season so far, I would say Danny Green hitting shots, hitting threes at a high clip. Maybe that's like unremarkable to some people. He hit like 45% or something from three last year. But he had several years at at the end of his time with the Spurs where he like struggled, right? And I'm not saying he, you know, I thought he was going to be unreliable or, you know, whatever. I just thought that he is the type of player that requires a very specific type of He's not JJ Reddick. He's not Kyle Korver. He's not going to curl off screens and fire threes uh, um, without his feet set. He needs a he needs to be set up in a very specific way. And this coaching staff has done a phenomenal job of getting him those looks. So I like that trend. I like the general bench litness. Um, these guys are all playing for yeah. each other. I mean. No egos. It starts from the top down. I mean, LeBron and AD are so. I mean, when you have two of the top five players in the league, arguably, on your team, it affects the way that everybody else views the game, right? Like, no, suddenly it's like, okay, if you have LeBron and AD, and I'm Javale McGee, am I going to complain if I'm going through stretches where I'm struggling and I'm only playing ten minutes? No. If I'm KCP and I'm going through stretches where I'm struggling, I'm only playing you know eight to ten minutes, I'm not going to complain. You know, so all that stuff has been phenomenal, um, and and it's been really exciting and fun to watch the chemistry on this team develop. And it's such a ragtag group, in in many ways. Like, yeah, we have a few yeah. guys: LeBron, Kuzma, uh, Javale, Rondo, KCP. These were guys that were on the team last year, but we added so many core rotational players who are new. Obviously, and and obviously our second best player is new. So. The chemistry has been an awesome trend. And, and then the last one I'll say, because we follow the rule of threes on this show is, is, uh, mm-hmm. Frank Vogel and the coaching staff and just the adjustments. Um, you know, this is not a team and it nor should it necessarily be a team where you're going to have college style play calling every single time down the floor, like Quinn Snyder, uh, Brad Stevens to some extent degree of, like, almost every single down time down the floor, they're calling something. That's just not how we are going to play. And we have so, so much talent that we shouldn't be playing like that. But um uh, despite, you know, so putting that stuff aside, the adjustments, the recognition, the awareness of, like, who's playing well together, the analytics, right? Like, People put so much, talk so much trash about these guys that Lionel Hollins hates analytics. Jason Kidd doesn't know what analytics are. <laughs> Frank Vogel has not been a coach in the modern era with analytics. You know, like all this stuff. Frank Vogel's constantly talking about analytics. You know, we're not making a big spectacle about it, but we have very quietly become a team that's very focused on analytics. I mean, Vogel, if you watch his post-game press conferences, is constantly talking about, oh, my analytics guy said this or that and and I think those are all, like, positive trends of a forward-thinking coaching staff. Um, you have to remember Vogel, like some of the guys on our team, right? Like, everybody's in the same boat. Like, he kind of put his his ass on the line and said, you know, I've been an NBA head coach in the past. I've had success. I've been to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think he, he went twice, actually. And despite that, I'm going to sign a two-year deal. I'm not taking any guarantees, you know, beyond that. Um and uh we'll see what happens. And I have confidence in myself and I think we're seeing the results of that now and and I hope the and there's no reason to think this won't be the case, but I hope that the coaching staff continues with their, you know, uh reward the guys who are playing well approach and common sense approach to everything and and uh, I think they will.
1: I agree. Alan, what are some of your quick hits, uh, positive trends that you've enjoyed watching uh, from the Lakers in this first quarter?
0: The freaking defense. The freaking defense, man. Um, just how everybody is so active. you know. Uh, the switches uh, just have so much energy. You can tell that the communication is there coming from the back line. Um, LeBron re- being extremely engaged on defense, uh, and it's so early in the season. He's not just drifting around all over the place um the rim protection like how many blocks do we have at this point you know what which team has the second most blocks uh we're definitely leading the league in that category i remember the last time we had rim protection like this if if really ever you know obviously shaq was a good rim protector but bynum pow and then Mm -hmm. everything else I, i don't know like nothing compares this is crazy um alex caruso is another one for sure like he's just um He's just like a solid player on the team. He's not like a caricature anymore of just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. what? It's just a funny gimmick. Like, look at this guy out here. Um, he's not like Matthew Delvedova or some freaking crap like that. Like, he's he's actually good. And when he does extraordinary things, we're like, great. That's what this guy does. That's his job. So that's been really fun. Um, if I had to think of like one more thing. Um, yeah, I would say like team chemistry, like this team, as we talked yeah. about, I think the last time we spoke has just gelled so seamlessly um, and it just goes to show they have one goal in mind. It seems like there are no egos at all and uh, things are just meshing together seamlessly.
1: Cool. Okay, so quickly, some trends that we're kind of lukewarm or sour on. Um Obviously, transition defense and turning the ball over and allowing teams to get out into transition. Like I've mentioned before, if we keep it in the half court, these teams can't get a clean shot, and most of the time we're making them look like G League affiliates. It's when we turn the ball over, make careless mistakes, unforced turnovers that allows them to get out. And if we take bad shots on top of it, uh, take a lot of perimeter jump shots or we're not running the offense properly, the floor spacing is usually off balance in that respect and the rebounds are longer, the other team can grab them and go. And then on top of that, just us making sure that we haul our ass back and get back into transition and defend properly. Some other things I've disliked thus far, Danny Green's low minutes. We've praised Vogel thus far for the way he's um, dealt with the rotations and doing a good job of this balancing act of all these players. I do think he could... Probably give Danny Green a little bit more minutes, and then alongside that, give Dudley some more minutes. I don't really understand the trend to not play Dudley at all. I understand KCP has been very effective, especially defensively, but I think Dudley's more useful than what we've made him out to be as just this like podcast appearing, <laughs> podcast appearance ticket giver on Twitter or whatever, who's acting as a sort of mascot for us. Um, so I'd, li- I'd like to see Dudley get more minutes than he has been. And lastly, I do not like this trend of Rajan Rondo, Quinn Cook. It hasn't even been a trend, so I can't even say that it's a trend, but let's just say I've seen enough to want it to stop where we don't need Rondo, Quinn Cook, and Caruso out there all at the same time, especially not Rondo and Quinn Cook, although I think that's largely been due to Avery Bradley being absent. So even I can take a step back and say maybe that's just, uh, that'll easily fix itself out. Um, Oh, also the trend of sometimes forgetting that Anthony Davis is on this team and we should probably be running pick and rolls because too often I think we can get so LeBron James focused and LeBron James can get so focused on his own reclaim the throne mission that he's just dribbling the ball on the perimeter and getting like 11, 14 assists or whatever that we forget that we have this dominant big man. And even though he sometimes settles for jump shots, we got to still keep going into him. So that trend of forgetting that this Anthony Davis and LeBron James pick-and-roll threat is one of the most lethal threats in the NBA. So quickly, your uh, the, the trends that you've thus so far not been too excited about.
3: I buy what you're selling here on the Dudley thing. Uh, I will say in the case of Dudley and Danny Green, both of them, I do think the coaching staff is playing a long game here. Again, this is an experienced staff. That's fair. Dudley averaged 20 minutes a game last year, but he only appeared in 59 games. So he did not play anything close. And the season before that, he only appeared in 48 and the season before that 64. So he's had low games the last three seasons. It's a long season. He has like obvious value for us moving forward. And he will have some value for us in the playoffs. Um, Keep him healthy, keep him like on the bench contributing, but he doesn't necessarily, I I would like to see him, I agree, playing a little bit more, but you know, as of the time of this recording, he's played a nine of 14 games. That's not that bad. Yeah. Some of those are blowouts, but again, it's, for him, it's more about like getting some semblance of minutes under his belt over the course of a season so that he's ready when you really need him. Danny Green, similar. He's a veteran. He's older. Um, I think, what, what is he like, 33 or 30, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he obviously is coming off a finals run. Um, he, he's still averaging 25 a game. And I think that will go up. It will certainly go up in the playoffs because he's our best player, but, or sorry, best defender. <laughs> he's not a, our best player, but he is our best defender. And, um, he is going to be crucial defending wings, because unless we, you know, are able to swing Andre Iguodala or something like that, we're a little bit thin on size, defending uh, uh, wings with size. Um, And he is going to have to play like 30, 35 minutes a game in the the playoffs for us. So so that's my response on those two things. In terms of trends, I'm not super happy about otherwise. Um, The transition, like you said, a big one for me they're going to have to figure out something that makes sense and get everybody to buy into it. We're playing two centers in 2019 standards. We are playing two centers. I know AD is really a four and he wants to be considered a four, but he's a center by 2019 standards based on what everybody else is playing. And we're, we play him at the five, maybe like, you know, under 10 minutes a game at this point. So, we're going to have to figure out with two centers on the floor and LeBron also on the floor a lot, who's, you know, 35 years old, how are we going to have guys get back effectively? Um, we were for a, a long time, the worst team in the league in transition defense. So second worst is like an improvement. Um And we have to continue to get better at that. Um, uh Other than that, you know, I, this is not even their fault, but the uh, free throws is, is a trend that like has been bothering me. We average mm-hmm. 20 free throws a game, which is bottom five in the league currently. Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly frustrating. Again, I just don't understand how we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and we're bottom five. And we score the second most points in the league. We're bottom five in the uh, league in free throw attempts. It honestly feels yeah. like so often we're getting the Shaq treatment. Like... We're so physically dominating the, our opponents, um, so far because we have so much size and length that it feels like the refs are just not giving us the benefit of the doubt on some of these calls because we're so physically, we have such a big physical, uh, dominance over our opponents. Um, but that is going to be something that if the trend continues and, and I frankly don't necessarily think it will because like despite Houston, Consistently leading the league in free throws because they have Harden. Um, the, you, the playoffs are called differently. I'm not saying Lou Williams is not going to get his like stupid calls where he like puts his hand under yours and then lifts his arm up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like he'll get those calls, but they are, the, the games are called differently. And I think it's going to be a little bit more fair. But if this, if this trend continues throughout, you know, the late season and, and into the playoffs, it's going to be um, a little bit. Tough for us to overcome that disadvantage.
1: No, those are really good points, and I totally agree with you. The Lakers, even though they're doing well in the regular season, are built more like a playoff team that grinded out sort of slower pace style, where we just outmuscle and just are more physical than the other teams should help us out in the free throw department to get more of those calls, get teams into foul trouble early on, take advantage of those uh, of the team fouls running out for the other team and getting to the line more often. Alan, to end the show. If you have your own, or you want to echo any of those, please go ahead and give us your room for improvement trends that you wish would go the other way.
0: LeBron's turnover rate. Um, mm. It's sporadic. Like two games, f- a few games back, <laughs> uh, he had zero turnovers, right? That was the uh, Sunday night game against Atlanta, zero turnovers next night. I don't remember what it was, but it was like seven. It was a very, very high number. He almost had a quadruple double, for that matter, against OKC. Um, And his passes are, I don't want to say they're lazy, but they're a little lethargic. You know, it's like just um, not putting a whole lot of energy behind his passes, just kind of throwing it out there. So uh, his, his turnovers, for sure, LeBron's, I'm not, I hate to be like picking on LeBron here, who's freaking playing so well right now but his his free throw percentage is has creeped up it's like in the low 70s which is about career for him but before the last few games it was it was pretty low it, it felt mm-hmm. like it was one out of two every time he was at the stripe so um yeah again not to be like nitpicking on freaking LeBron James but um I would say that and then as far as the Danny Green thing I feel like he gets into foul trouble in the first quarter like yes. he'll pick up two fouls real quick stupid fouls like who are you dude like you're a Josh freaking Hart. vet <laughs> yeah yeah it's really really odd uh for someone who is fully capable of playing intelligently so I would say that and that of course impairs his ability to get out there on the floor because um, he gets pulled and then in terms of his rhythm obviously it's going to affect that as well so yeah got to play a little bit smarter
1: All right, cool. So that'll do it for this trendy segment of this show. With that said, that'll do it for our episode. Hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. Tommy, happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. I am currently freezing my ass off in Philly. Uh, Everybody trust the process. Just kidding. The Lakers are trusting the process, and it's working out well for them thus far. So we have a lot to be grateful for as Lakers fans. Alan, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, Feliz Gracias Giving Day to you my friend
0: (laughs) (laughs) thanks man back at you
1: (laughs) cool happy thanksgiving to everyone out there to all of our listeners stay warm be with a bunch of family football is there for you eat a bunch of good food stuffing mashed potatoes gravy turkey lumpia (laughs) lumpia everybody (laughs) eats some lumpia and pansit too some sushi some spam musubi there you go and top it off with some good old basic ass pumpkin pie Hell yeah! Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please rate interview us on iTunes and uh, gobble gobble, right, Tommy? Gobble gobble,
3: motherfucker!
1: <laughs> All right, see you guys. All
3: right, dude. Later. Peace.